WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio presents the voice of Nineveh with Juliana Tamarazi, founder and president of the Iraqi Christian Relief Council. Call now with your questions, 224-585-9734. That's 224-585-9734. Hello, my friends. Juliana Tamarazi on WSFI 88.5 FM on Voice of Nineveh program and my co-host, my good friend, my co-pilot, Tom O'Connor. Hello to you, Juliana, and hello, radio audience. Today's the Feast of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, followed up tomorrow with the Feast of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, and both hearts Juliana loves. I do. In fact, uh, it was the 25th, on Valentine's Day 2015 when uh, our organization, the Iraqi Christian Relief Council, was concentra- consecrated to yes. the Twin Hearts, and truly, um, you're right. I do love, I do love uh, both. So uh, that, that was the Feast Day of St. Valentine. And of course, did you get your box of chocolates that day? From you know, many, it's been so long. Years? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's been so long. I don't think so, Tom. The answer is probably no. You gave me a piece of chocolate. Just one. Just one. <laughs> turtle. I know I gave you a turtle. <laughs> but um, all kidding aside, uh, here in Chicago, in the Chicago land, the weather is fantastic. You know, I was thinking this morning as I was walking in the sun a little bit. I was thinking, my God, for the last few days. Um, we've had such beautiful weather, and I really hope it's going to continue. Magnificent weather. Yeah. Yeah, you look good. Thank you, and you're good looking. <laughs> My God. <laughs> is this a Catholic show or what? What else is there? <laughs> <laughs> but no, we're... Um, we have a couple of things we want to talk to you guys about. And uh, please don't forget to call in with your questions, your comments, your reflections. Our number is 224-585-9734, 224-585-9734. As we sit here and enjoy this gorgeous weather of ours, um, you know, all of us know that uh, our fellow brothers and sisters in Iraq and Syria are um, going through a rough time, a real, uh, a tough time, really, for the last two years. June 10th of 2016 is marking t- two years of their displacement, starting from Mosul when ISIS came back to Iraq and started devastating people. Um, and as you all know, I was in Iraq about three months ago, three and a half months ago, and I visited these people in these camps. and. Um, Tom, I'll never forget this guy came up to me and said he started crying in a camp called Al-Amal, which in Arabic, uh, in English, it means hope. The term is an Arabic term, Al-Amal. And uh, he started to cry and he said, please give me $300. And um, he was speaking Arabic first and then he turned it into the Assyrian language. And I said, why do you need the 300? He said, I need, I've lost everything. I used to have money my wife is dying of breast cancer and uh, I need money for her medication. I need that $300 a month. And it was a whirlwind truly. And what he said put me in the middle of this whirlwind. And immediately after we visited the Dominican sisters of St. Catherine of Siena, uh, who have been displaced themselves from a town called Caracosh. And they're living in camps themselves, but um, taking care of about 50,000, 45,000 Christians there. And uh, I asked them point blank when I sat in their very humble kitchen, I said, 
how many cancer patients do you handle? Because they have two clinics that they've created out of nothing. And they said, many. We have so many we can't handle. So I said, I'm going back to the States and I'm going to launch a campaign called uh, Cancer Free Refugee. And the proceeds will go back to Iraq, um, majority of them for the St. Catherine of Siena Dominican Sisters, um, a little bit for the SCRA and AIDS Society because they handle the, these patients as well. So my friends, as of um, Mother's Day, we launched this campaign, Cancer Free Refugee. We are trying to raise $100,000. And unfortunately, we've only raised about $23,000, um, which I'm surprised, Tom. I'm completely surprised. I thought that the people would uh, connect to this. People who are cancer survivors, people who whose loved ones have been inflicted by cancer. And really, um, every project we have launched in the past, we've exceeded. We, we really have. We've gone over, above and beyond. Our supporters have been so generous with other projects. But with this one, I'm really surprised that people are not really giving. So uh, you're looking for uh, financial aid versus equipment aid. Uh, financial aid will pay for the costs of professional care for these patients. Is that the idea? Uh, yeah, they have the equipment. Oh, they, so they, the they have the equipment. The, okay, that's not the issue. So yeah. it's, the, it's paying people to uh, provide the health care. It's paying, uh, we're not paying them directly, we're paying the clinic, the clinics there okay. that would cover, um, that would cover these, uh, these chemotherapy sessions or uh, medications that are needed for this. For example, we thus far, for the last three years, we've helped save um, three patients' lives. Uh, one, 19 years old, who had been displaced years ago from Iraq. And then she ended up in Lebanon. She had Hodgkin's lymphoma. Her name is Rund. She, we saved, uh, thanks, God, thanks be to God, we were able to save her. Um, her aunt actually initiated a call, and she asked us to help with fundraising and sending the money, which we did. The second patient was a uh, little girl, uh, eight years old, baby Annabelle. Or not baby, but she's a young child. Um, we saved her in Amman, and we sent the money directly to the hospitals. We didn't give it to them directly. And the third one, uh, just about two months ago, we paid for surgery for this young lady, 22 years old. Her name is Miriam, which means Mary. Uh, in Lebanon, again, uh, we worked with um, the American University Hospital in Beirut to help her. So we won't give these individuals the money. We are giving the clinics to administer to them. So the clinics are located basically in Lebanon? No, the clinics are in northern Iraq, the ones that we're targeting. Okay, so the clinics are located in northern Iraq, and, and these clinics provide the care for those patients yes. that are identified. Yes. Okay. Uh, hmm. It's tough, you know. Uh, in the beginning, when we saw not much uh, excitement about this project, I um, we sat, we went back to the drawing board and we broke down how much it would cost per treatment. Um, so, for example, $100 or $200 uh, buys medication for a week. $100, I believe, buys a m medication for a week and um, about $1,000, it helps the chemo se uh, session. So we broke it down for people so they know uh, how they're helping. Because as you know, um, it's expensive. Those things are expensive. 
Well, there, there are, there really is a host of organizations, as you know, who provide uh, resources for cancer patients. So, uh, tapping into one of those organizations uh, that would be well funded and praising them of the situation that you have, that you're trying to uh, accommodate, it would seem to me that reaching out to one of those organizations, like for example, let's just say that Children's Hospital in Chicago has a cancer division, which I believe they do, and you know, you wonder whether or not there might be some endowment monies there in, 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 in at that particular hospital that would be able to uh, give some money toward this effort. And if not Chicago, then perhaps New York or Boston or perhaps uh, some other children, St. Jude's uh, Children's Hospital is at Tennessee. If you reach out to the benefactors of that uh, organization and provide them with the information they may need, that they could easily uh, fund this effort. Um, There is a, yeah, I agree with you. So if anybody wants to contact us, please call at 224-585-9734 on the air uh, to offer us some ideas or some connections you may have, or if you want to get involved directly with this, to volunteer uh, to get us that information or help fundraise. uh, We would appreciate that. 224-585-9734. Or you can go on our website, victimsofisis.org victimsofisis.org and really um, contact us. My phone number is on there. Contact us and let's talk about this. Um, the other idea that came was to connect. It's similar to what you were saying. It's con- to connect with organizations, uh, nonprofit organizations, others that are already present in the Middle East. Their work is present in the Middle East and uh, maybe appeal to them. Do we have any military uh, presence in any of these clinics that you that you know of in northern Iraq? We don't have official military presence. No. no. I was thinking of our own military physicians who, uh, if they're somehow or another connected with these clinics, that they might be able to provide assistance. Our own officers, uh, men and women who serve our country, that might be uh, have uh, the connections necessary to give help and assistance to these f- people. If not in Iraq, I know we have uh, a couple, maybe three that I know of cancer patients in Turkey. Um, And we know we have a base in Turkey and we have quite a few cancer patients in Lebanon. Um, So, I mean, at this time, what we really need is funding. So I am appealing with all of you listeners, your friends, your family, if you can uh, get involved with this, visit our website at uh, victimsofisis.org and also um, just we have actually even a hashtag, a Twitter hashtag uh, hashtag cancer free refugee if you want to um, find us at Iraqi Christian on Twitter and tweet out at um, cancer free refugee that would be that would be great so so yeah, so that's uh, that's what I've been working on. Um, we're trying to write an article about this because really nobody's talking about it. When I wrote the article, um, when I was doing research for it, really, Tom, there's not much out there that talks about this mysterious rise of cancer. It's really shrouded in mystery because it just cancer rate has been erupted among these pay these poor refugees across the region but the ones that have been displaced out of iraq so we're wondering if really something uh, they've used the isis p- 
people have used chemical weapons or something. We, we just don't know. We just don't know. Just another tough mystery that we can't uh, put our fingers on at the moment. Yeah, and, you know, when I look at these children that are suffering of cancer, um, what is their sin? What is their guilt? They don't have any sin or guilt. God, pro- God provides, and unfortunately, mankind today is not asking God uh, as they should. And so, you know, we have these terrible uh, sicknesses everywhere. I mean, there's this insect supposedly over in Brazil that uh, they're talking about canceling the summer games uh, over this insect. So, you know, there's, there are many issues out there anymore, but unfortunately, as you and I both know, people don't ask God for help anymore. They, they look for other ways. Um, I have to tell you, on that point that you just brought up, it's amazing how when we what we saw on the ground in Iraq, people's faith has been so strengthened through this. And they were telling us that our faith was strong. We always had strong faith, but we tell you because of ISIS, because of what we've paid with our blood, with our with our displacement, our faith in the, in the Lord Jesus is that's much stronger. That's a good piece of news. So instead of a, a, a spirit of despair, there's a spirit of hope that we're going to fight this, huh? Yeah, they, they're hopeful. They're hopeful and they're giving us hope. Wow, that's wonderful. I think we have a couple of uh, minutes uh, left. Please give us a call at 224-585-9734. We have a couple of minutes left for uh, our break, our heartbreak that is coming up. But um, uh, once again, our website is victimsofisis.org. If you have any questions, if you have any suggestions, in fact, Tom, I was thinking that maybe I should uh, approach Harvard University or another university that um, they're dealing with. They have a research center for cancer to see if they would want to accompany us to Iraq on a fact-finding mission or um, something like that because we really don't know why there's this sudden rise of cancer among these people. And you know, it's a specific type of cancer mostly. Among women, it's breast cancer. Among children is either lymphoma or, or, um, uh, or leukemia. And then among men, majority of the men that are inflicted with cancer is colon cancer. Well, maybe the Holy Spirit is moving you to reach out to somebody at Harvard. Perhaps there's uh, somebody in the listening audience that has a connection at Harvard or Yale or Georgetown or New York University, perhaps there's somebody listening out there who has a connection that can reach out and email you or call you and say, listen, I, I know this person and let's give them a call. I think uh, let the Holy Spirit uh, move you. Yeah, yeah, that that is the center of our organization. Um, our organization is Christ-led and these people are dying for Christ. Um, they've given up everything. They've not converted to Islam. So indeed, the Holy Spirit has touched their hearts, has moved them. And we must have faith that uh, the Holy Spirit will lead this charge as well. Well, here's a, uh, here's a group of people, the sons and daughters of God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, who are afflicted. Uh, they don't have the uh, freedom like we do in Chicago to walk into uh, Northwestern or University of Chicago or some other cancer center and seek and get help. So we have refugees and people on the run and they don't know where they're going to live today or tomorrow who are seeking help. 
And if we can reach out and help them, which is what you're trying to do, that's what we're trying to do is get the word out and getting some help to somebody we don't even know. But we do know that that person, these people have been created by God and they need help. And we're looking for somebody who wants to help them. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, we as we've been saying um, for the last since March 17th, uh, we're living in the age of genocide. And what would we have done if we were alive or if we um, were able to do anything during World War II when the Holocaust was happening? Well, I keep on telling whomever I speak to, this is our chance. We're living in the age of genocide. We're walking the face of this earth quite differently than March 16th prior to the age of genocide. So it is really our moral responsibility because this was declared a genocide we have to step up and help the survivors the genocide survivors we have people running for office in the highest office of the land in this country today who are major supporters of killing babies in the womb and killing the elderly and who are proactive in a physician assistant suicides so here we are trying to help live human beings save their lives and uh, yeah, we're looking for a handful of people to step up and, and provide the means, the resources that maybe they have uh, to help us perform this task that we know uh, our Lord wants us to do. Um, I can't help but remember Saint, or Saint Teresa, <laughs> the Blessed Mother Teresa said, um, do everything with love. And if we are, if we are working on this, if we're um, extending, making it a financial sacrifice and giving, let it be with so much love. Let it be shrouded in love. If cancer is shrouded in mystery, uh, the rise of it, let us fight back with our efforts being shrouded in love. I think uh, that is the basis of Christian message, to do everything with love. Yes without uh, trumpets and, and drums and banjos, just quietly and steadily and steadfastly just doing our work and doing it with the love of Christ. 224-585-9734. Um, once again, Cancer Free Refugee is what we're working on today, what uh, the Iraqi Christian Relief Council is working on today. Um, Tom, we have had so many generous, generous donors in the past, and I would like to uh, ask for new uh, donors to come in, to step up, and take part in this important project. My friends, 224-585-9734, please give us a call and uh, offer us your reflections. Thank you, Juliana.
Hello, I am Bishop Alberto Rojas, one of the auxiliary bishops in Chicago. Anything that has to do to bring in the message of salvation, bring in the message of Jesus in any way, but especially through the radio, through the media today, as we advance how media has evolved so fast, not only through the radio, but through all kinds of ways, especially with the computers and phones. And this is unbelievable. I think it's very important that we use these means of communication to also bring the message of salvation, the message of Jesus through the world. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. Are you retired or near retirement? Do you want to keep a larger amount of your assets in a safe place with guaranteed interest rates to protect yourself from a huge market swing? Are you amazed at how low the interest rates are at your bank? If you said yes to any or all of those questions, you may want to call me, Matt Tomlinson, at Catholic Financial Life to discuss our guaranteed fixed rate annuities. Call 847-548-MATT, 847-548-6288. Products not available in all states. Did you know that you can listen to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio from anywhere in the world? Our live internet stream is available at wsfiradio.org. Just click on Listen Live. We also stream on the TuneIn mobile app for your smartphone or tablet. For iPhone and iPad users, visit the App Store, download the TuneIn app, sign up for a free account, and then search for WSFI. Click follow to add us to your profile. For Android users, visit the Google Play Store, download the TuneIn app, sign up for a free account, and then search for WSFI. Click follow to add us to your profile. Need help? Call us at 224-206-8455. That's 224-206-8455. Once again, welcome back to the Voice of Nineveh. My friends, uh, in the earlier segment, we talked about cancer. We talked about the importance of you uh, getting involved with this. We talked about um, we need to raise $100,000 uh, very soon. So far, we've only raised about 23000 and we've launched this for almost a month already since uh, Mother's Day, Cancer-Free Refugee. Uh, please visit our website at victimsofisis.org, victimsofisis.org, and get involved with this because there are 
thousands of people that are suffering from different types of cancer, from breast cancer to colon cancer to uh, leukemia. A lot of them are children that have been inflicted with this, and there is the opportunity for you to uh, give donations for their uh, chemotherapy sessions, for the medication that they need. Cancer-Free Refugee, you, if you do use Twitter, please um, spread the word, hashtag Cancer-Free Refugee. If you go online on our website, you can donate there, um, victimsofisis.org. And Tom and I really talked about even wanting to have universities to get involved, to do research, to find out why has there been this mysterious rise among the refugees of this cancer. Um, I'm appealing to cancer survivors. I'm appealing to the relatives whose loved ones or people whose uh, loved ones suffered from cancer. You know the devastation that this puts people through, how uh, terrifying the, the feelings are when one is told that they have cancer. And uh, can you imagine if we are told that we are... Um, we are... Uh, that one has cancer and they're living in uh, ungodly conditions. Um, Tom, go ahead. What do you think about that? Well, I, th I, I think that uh, we, we're just trying to reach out to the audience. And the audience consists of what? We have uh, McHenry County and Lake County in Illinois and four counties in Wisconsin. And we're appealing to our audience out there and asking you to uh, think about helping people that you do not know, that you're not acquainted with, who live in another part of the world, a place called Iran, Iraq, and Syria, who have uh, this mysterious strain of cancer, which nobody seems to be able to identify. We're looking for some professional help to step up, say, yeah, listen, why don't we, uh, we'll help you out, uh, call us, or uh, send us an email, and, and we'll, uh, we'll help you out. And uh, by the way, we have uh, some extra funds in our, in our endowment and we'll send you a check. So please think about it. Think about people you don't know who right now are in need of your medical assistance. We need funds to help pay for this assistance. Assyrians, they're Catholics, they're your brothers and sisters. They're refugees, they're escaping ISIS. Please just consider it. Give it 30 seconds, say Hail Mary, all of those. Uh, ideas. Today is the Feast of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Ask him to help us, to guide us, to prompt somebody out there to say, you know what, I want to step up and help out. Okay? Juliana. Yes, um, that is, everything you said is so true. These people are Catholic. They are also Orthodox of the Orthodox Church. And, and, um, we're all members of one body of Christ. When I'm out there on the road, people ask me, are you guys really Christian? Evangelicals ask me, are you guys really Christian? Uh, yes, we are. We are the first ones to convert to Christianity through St. Thomas the Apostle 2,000 years ago. Uh, we're the children of the same Ninevites who turned from their wicked ways through Jonah and repented and worshiped the one Lord. Um, yes, we are all members of one body and if one part suffers the rest of it must suffer with it i mean just imagine when when we have a headache or when our toe hurts or when our arm hurts we feel fatigued we feel our entire body is tired we feel our entire body is uh in need of recuperation so how is it that we in the west 
the left lung of the church or forgetting about the right lung of the church. John Paul said those words that we are to help each other out, right? The left lung is to help the right lung. What a beautiful example that he gave us. Tom, I think we talked enough about this project. Let's move on to the next topic, uh, which is uh, equally important from a long-term strategy, um, which is which we've talked about before. It's the creation of a homeland. Um, I work, as many of you know, I work for an organization called the Philos Project. It's an organization that is uh, promoting positive Christian engagement in the matters of the Middle East. and. Robert Nicholson, who's the founder and the executive director of the organization, is my boss. He is, I believe, on the line, correct? Rob, are you there? Yes, yes, I'm here, Juliana. How are you? Good, how are you? Excellent. Thanks for calling in. Thank you for having me. Of course, thank you for calling in. Thank you so much. Our beloved listeners, I am asking you to listen intently to what Robert is about to tell you because it is something of uh, profound truth, uh, which is creation of a new home for all those persecuted Christians uh, that we've been talking about with you for quite a few months now. And uh, I've talked to you greatly about the short-term need from cancer to um, housing and everything else. But what we have talked about in the past, briefly, has been the creation of a homeland. And as time will pass by, you will hear more and more about this. So that's why we have invited Rob, who is really in the center of this and is leading the efforts. Um, Rob, are you still there? I'm still here, yes. Uh, Can you tell us, before we even talk about the homeland um, in northern Iraq, can you talk a little bit about what Philos does and what you guys are all, what we, since I work for you as well, what we're all about? Yes, uh, Thelos Project is uh, it's a new nonprofit organization based in New York City, and the idea is to educate uh, the American church, the American Christian leaders and future leaders, on important issues of, of liberty and justice in the Middle East, so that they're they're equipped and they're able to speak out and to help influence America's engagement with that part of the world. Why is it important, do you think, that we get the Americans involved from a uh, cultural perspective, from a religious perspective, in these uh, important political matters of the Middle East? Well, I mean, the Middle East uh, as a region is really sort of where we all came from. I mean, just civilizationally, things came from that part of the world. Religiously, as Christians and those who are, who are, are Jewish or Muslim, they also come from that part of the world. It's actually... Uh, at the same time, one of the most troubled parts of the world, and as people who have some debt, really, to, to, to the region and to the ideas and the civilizations that were born there, we have some connection and even some obligation to, to care about what's going on there. And as people, as human beings, it's, it's important that we care about the people who are there, people who are suffering uh, from all kinds of things, you know, intolerant, religious intolerance and um, expansion of different countries and war, and there's, there's so much going on. And the tendency of many Americans, and, and I dare say many Christians, is you know because it's so complicated and, and frankly so depressing that we say, you know, 
just sort of let it be. It doesn't concern us. Uh, we're not going to get involved. It's going to cost money. It's going to it's going to make our lives more complicated and worse. And so let's just sort of let it be. Let it burn. It's really not of our concern. Or alternatively, people uh, kind of lash out and they want to go there and just do things uh, irrationally, just start bombing and showing people who's boss. And what we try to do is show there's ways to engage the Middle East in a sustained way, an intelligent way, a thoughtful way that helps the people and also tries as best as we can living over here to advance the region you know to the next to the next stage and hopefully in a better place I know you have been uh, involved in different aspects of this. You, uh, as Philos Project, have donated uh, generously to build caravans for these individuals to be able to have privacy um, in bathing even, in cooking even, or using the, the bathroom within the actual caravan rather than walking through uh, the entire uh, camp to go to the bathroom or, or bathe. Um, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Robert and I both were in Iraq about three and a half months ago and we saw everything firsthand. Uh, and aside from aid that you've provided, you've also um, created something beautiful, which is uh, the Vigil Kit. Can you talk about the Vigil Kit with us a little bit? Sure. Well, we're, we're very proud of it. It's called Rise Vigil. And you can see more information about that at risevigil.org, and you can order a copy of it. And really, you know, we, we, we care a lot. Of course, you know, liberty and justice issues in the Middle East, for us as Christians, one of the most important issues is the church, is the Middle Eastern church, uh, the persecuted church. And we had, you know, as we went around and talked to lots of people about the issue, we had so many people come up to us and say, look, I'm not a politician, I'm not in foreign policy, I'm not in the military, but like, I care about this issue, I want to pray about it, I want to bring it into my church, I just don't know how to do that, like, you know, what should I do? And so, one day we, we just realized that these people need something tangible uh, as an entry point to bring it into their church, and so we created the kit, really it's, it's a physical kit, it's a box you get, inside the box are... Uh, posters and guides for for the leaders and also for the people, uh, candles, everything you need to really have a uh, prayer vigil in your church, and and not not as a one-off event, really as 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 I said, as an entry point to get your your church uh, aware of what's happening and to start start thinking about and talking about as a church. Okay, what do we in our community do? What can we give? Can we can we uh, create relationships uh, east and west? I mean, wh wh how can we stay engaged in this issue? And uh, so far, um, I think it's uh, something that people find extremely helpful, you know, just because they don't know about what's going on. And with through the guides and all of the education they get and the website as well, they're able to speak intelligently to their, to their church and their community about what's happening and really get people involved in a, in a really practical way. Thank you, Rob. You you did uh, mention something very important, getting people involved, because people, uh, as you said earlier, uh, it is something that is depressing. It is so monumental that people wash their hands, either wash their hands purposely, or they say, you know what, we want to get involved, but we don't know how. And through this uh, vigil kit that you've created, on um, people can obtain um, a box. It's really a beautiful, beautiful work that you've done on this. It's very educational. Uh, the guides, as you said, that people will get participants and the leader of this vigil they both get this these uh, these wonderful instruction manuals or uh, things that you really talk about about the situation on the ground in Iraq and Syria 
Um, so I encourage our listeners to really, that is the smallest way one can get involved by uh, purchasing this, which is not very expensive at, at all, this RISE, uh, this vigil kit. Please visit uh, www.risevigil.org, risevigil.org to get more information and really get your church involved. Uh, Tom, uh, I want you to meet Rob Nicholson. Yeah, hi, Rob. Tom O'Connor here. I am Juliana's partner here. Uh, I'd like to know if you would share with us a little bit about uh, this um, homeland creation. Mm. What can you tell the audience about that effort? Sure, sure. Well, it's it's great to uh, hear your voice, Tom. I've heard lots about you from Juliana, and oh, all you. good. Uh, so this really is kind of where philos has gone on this issue the issue of the persecuted church uh we you know we love to help with caravans you know getting people to pray but ultimately the big question that's that's the elephant in the room is well what next what happens to these people can christians survive in the middle east today or is it is it just best for them to make for the hills and, and move to western countries so uh trying to answer that question which is a long-term question and really, in some ways, a strategic question has been something that has consumed much of our time, much of my time personally. And really, uh, for us, after having looked at the situation uh, from a hundred angles, talked to many people on the ground in Iraq, in Jordan, in the diaspora, people in Washington, people really everywhere, uh, the consensus idea, the best idea that we've seen uh, has been the idea of creating uh, what many people call a safe haven in northern Iraq, uh, in this area just north uh, of Mosul, uh, called the Nineveh Plain, east of Mosul, and uh, creating uh, really a protected zone, a protected space. Uh, as you know, right now, as we speak, people are fighting over there to liberate uh, these areas from ISIS. Uh, and as they liberate areas, as they liberate towns and villages, villages that have been Christian villages, many of them for thousands of years, uh, to make sure that these these Christians can come back and not just settle there but flourish there and for, and for us that means not just creating sort of a safe zone a safe haven but creating eventually a homeland and creating uh, really um, a province within Iraq a special province that's set aside for Christians and other minorities Yazidis and Shia Turkmen who are two other minorities that are really suffering under ISIS and really giving them their own space a protected space where they can govern themselves uh, they can uh, protect themselves with their own security and really set uh, you know the stage for a future for them right now there's so much hopelessness I'm sure you guys have talked about this before it's one of the biggest problems we face is hopelessness and by creating something like this giving them a place to practice their culture their language their religion it really it answers the question definitively yes they can survive here not only survive they can thrive here and there's lots of complicated issues involved in that it's something that we spend all kinds of time on we're still working on it we're about to release a big uh, white paper on the on the idea but it's it's an idea whose time has come and really it's the best idea that we've seen to uh, that, that allows these people to survive which one organization worldwide is the one organization that you need in order for this uh, effort to be successful? The one organization that, that would buy into the idea, you mean? Yes, and to, and to help it to, be, to succeed. Well, listen, I'm, I'm on Catholic radio, so I think uh, I'll angle my comments in those directions. I sure. think from the perspective of, of the Holy See, 
the idea of really weighing into these matters in such a you know sort of specific way is is something that they don't want to do. But it would be it, you know if the Holy See could get behind the idea. I mean, we're talking the biggest organization of all. Uh, then we would be infinitely uh, further ahead than we are today. I yeah. think, uh, at a lower level, groups like the Knights of Columbus uh, and large Catholic organizations, fraternal organizations, and, and even monastic organizations, any any sort of weight that we can bring on the institutional level would would really uh, push this forward in a way that 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 we haven't even seen yet. That Rob, would be you, a game changer. Can you hang out with us for a couple of more minutes? Uh, we have to go to on a break, to a break. Can you wait with us for a couple of minutes? Sure. Thank you. Thank you, Rob. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back. 224-585-9734. This is Ann Meyer, past president of the National Family Partnership. I am speaking today for WSFI. It's a wonderful station, and you can catch prayers and talks and information anytime. It's wonderful to hop in the car and be able to turn on that radio and get good Catholic information. So if any of you enjoy and appreciate this, please send your donation, and don't forget to pray for them. We need prayers for the success of this station because we know how important it is. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Liberty Ville, Illinois, 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. Are you retired or near retirement? Do you want to keep a larger amount of your assets in a safe place with guaranteed interest rates to protect yourself from a huge market swing? Are you amazed at how low the interest rates are at your bank? If you said yes to any or all of those questions, you may want to call me, Matt Tomlinson, at Catholic Financial Life to discuss our guaranteed fixed rate annuities. Call 847-548-MATT. 847-548-6288. Products not available in all states. Look down upon me, O good and sweetest Jesus, while before your face I humbly kneel. Most fervently I pray and beg you to fix deep within my heart lively sediments of faith, hope, and charity, true sorrow for my sins, and a firm purpose of amendment. With deep affection and sorrow, I contemplate your five wounds I have before my eyes. What David the prophet spoke of you, as though you were saying it yourself. They have pierced my hands and my feet. They have numbered all my bones. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hello, friends. Hi. Once again, this is Voice of Nineveh. Uh, I am a Ninevite. 
welcome to our show. My co-host and my co-pilot, Tom O'Connor, is with me. Hi, Juliana. Um, we have on the line with us uh, Robert Nicholson. Rob, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hi. Thanks for waiting with us. Your your first, uh, the, fir- the second segment, your first segment with us was fantastic. Um, it raised a lot of questions in the minds of people here in the studio. Um, so it's going to be a back and forth between Tom and I. Um, Tom has some specific questions for you, uh, but I'm going to start first. Um, what uh, can you, you mention briefly uh, as we were going on break, uh, something about a white paper. Can you explain what a white paper is exactly and what does it uh, include when it comes to the safe haven? Mm. Yes, uh, we are. We're on the, on the verge of releasing this white paper, which I hope will be uh, will really stir things up on this issue. At this point, there's really no one single document that you can find all of the ideas, the arguments, the maps, all of the things that pertain to this idea. Uh, and so we, we set out to create it. So the, a white paper is any sort of, it's a very loose term, but it's a, it's a big kind of document that has to do with a certain issue. So there could be white papers on school reform or white papers on, uh, you know, some sort of medical insurance uh, policy that should be created or something. But this, this white paper is completely dedicated to the idea of, uh, of creating a safe haven and then a homeland for these Christians and minorities in northern Iraq. That's, that's the idea. Uh, it will be within the next couple of weeks that it will be published, and uh, you can find that on our website, uh, philosproject.org. You'll, you'll see when that's, uh, when that's available. What is the, um, Tom and I were talking, and Tom said, well, what are you talking about about a safe haven? Um, how is that possible? Because ISIS mm-hmm. still has a presence. A lot of people are getting killed every day. They're trying to, the mighty, um, I call it the mighty, but the uh, Iraqi forces are trying to free uh, different parts of Iraq, and some of it is failing. So Tom was asking me, well, is it really realistic? And he should have seen his face. He said, what's safe mm-hmm. haven? What are you talking about? So what would you say to the naysayers or the ones that doubt this? Well, I think conceptually, it's it's certainly not impossible. Uh, things that have seemed far more impossible have have been created, not unlike this in the past. And I think that we can draw upon those lessons and 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 feel some optimism. I think you know the most obvious example is uh, the state of Israel, which you know politics aside and and all of that. I think the idea, if you asked people a hundred years ago and told them, you know, there's there's this group of uh, Jews in in Poland and all these other places that want to have a homeland inside the Ottoman Empire, uh, people would, you know, completely laugh you out of the room. It's been 2,000 years. They don't have a common language. They don't speak Hebrew. And, of course, today they're, they're very much there, and they're, they're thriving. Uh, the, the Christians, the Assyrians, and these other minorities are actually in a far better place than the Jews were 100 years ago. They are, they're living, still many of them in the land, in the hundreds of thousands. They speak their language. Uh, there's lots of will to do this. Um, I think, you know, once you get into the specifics of it, there, certainly there, there's lots of obstacles. I think uh, really the, um, uh, the, the most important things to note are that uh, the state of Iraq is... 
by its constitution designed to do this very thing. The idea of creating a province, which seems to us over here so just incredibly impossible, is actually explicitly provided for inside the constitution. Iraq has all kinds of problems. Lots of people like to talk about it as a failed state. It's It's got lots of problems. It's not necessarily a failed state. I think the problem, to the extent it has a problem, is that it hasn't actually gone along these lines. It hasn't begun to decentralize and to really become more kind of a collection of, of states, like the United States, and has, has really sort of centralized power in the capital. The idea that, that most people are talking about now, the future of Iraq, and really, honestly, the future of Syria, and maybe even the Middle East, is, is a pattern of decentralization of power by sort of making things more provincial, making it more like United States, uh, rather than sort of these unified states. So the idea in that in that swirl of change that's happening in the Middle East right now, the idea of creating a small block within within the Republic of Iraq is actually, it's certainly constitutionally possible. And in fact, it's been explicitly approved by the Iraqi government. Many people don't know this, but in January 2014, the Iraqi government, the cabinet, actually approved the idea. Of course, ISIS invaded a few months later and made that impossible. ISIS, I think, in the West, to us, is this impossible force that cannot be beaten. It can be beaten uh, as, as a force, as a state. The ideas uh, that drive ISIS, of course, cannot be just eliminated with guns. But I think the idea of pushing back ISIS, reclaiming this land, uh, and, and protecting it uh, with international forces, using local forces as, as sort of the primary lead, is, is, is actually quite achievable. And we're, we're doing it already in different contexts. So I think that if we can get past that initial uh, problem of, of just seeing the Middle East as just hopeless and, and you, can't, you can't win, uh, I think there's actually lots of, of tools that we have available that we can, we can actually build with. Yeah, Rob, the idea that you have a provision in the Constitution already is, is, as you know, extremely important. Have you met with Iraqi officials and discussed this matter? Uh, we have. We've, we've met uh, with, uh, actually, recently we met with the, the Iraqi ambassador in Washington, D.C. Outstanding. Uh, and and he, uh, he very much, I mean, he, said, he, he noted, of course, there's lots of details uh, that need to be worked out. But in principle, he said that, uh, you know, it's a good idea and that uh, it actually kind of, as I just said, it kind of goes together with this larger idea that Iraq needs to be decentralized. And so while, he, while he's not going to maybe endorse it publicly at this point, he's, he certainly saw it as a valuable idea. And we've talked with others as well who, who say the same thing. I think it's a matter of, uh, you know, everybody's talked about, this isn't a new idea, but people have talked about it in very loose terms, safe haven, we'll create a safe zone. And until now, no one really has any backup information when pressed. So the idea of the white paper is to put a little bit of you know flesh on the bones of the idea, and I think when that happens, you'll see a lot a lot of eyebrows go up and a lot more interest uh, in the circles that matter. Yeah, what I'm hearing here is uh, a very enthusiastic, uh, well-versed individual uh, about uh, what's going on in the Middle East, and it seems to me that that enthusiasm, with that kind of knowledge, when you put uh, these kinds of combinations together and tie it with prayer i mean somewhere along the line our lord's going to hear those prayers and uh, mm. it's just a question of your continued 
perseverance and your optimism and with Juliana and you I mean you just keep fighting and fighting and fighting I mean Bunker Hill and Lexington started with just one shot and look what we have so uh, you just keep pushing and doing what you believe to be the right thing it seems to me that there's a tremendous amount of power in that kind of um, effort and enthusiasm Mm. Thank you, Tom. I really appreciate that, and I would. I'd appreciate uh, prayers from from you and from your listeners. I think, you know, there's lots. A lot of times when you get involved in these fights, you know, it's very policy driven. Lots of you know specific, sure. you know, constitutional provisions, and we forget that you know this is really ultimately about. Uh, for us, the Middle Eastern Church and yes. rebuilding it. I mean, Christianity is a Middle Eastern religion, and trying to go back to where it started and, and strengthen it, I think, is really what this is all about. And I think uh, our Lord is certainly, uh, he has his eye on it. And I think the more we pray, the, the more likely we are of having success. We have this absolutely um, uh, strong attention paid to our political elections this year in our country, which is a huge diversion from what's going on over there. So that's why your persistence, your continued persistence with what's going on in the background here is absolutely essential because that's how good things can happen. Mm -hmm. Tom, uh, not Tom, but uh, Rob, did you hear the foreign policy statements from uh, Hillary Clinton yesterday? I did not. I read about it, but I didn't study it in detail, no. Uh, I listened to it, and frankly, I was greatly disappointed that she did not make any reference to anything that is going on um, with uh, specifically with the Christians. Maybe I missed it, but I don't think I missed it. I was watching the whole thing. She never mentioned anything about the struggle of the Christians of the Middle East. Um, she mentioned uh, arming the Iraqi and the Kurdish uh, forces, but she never mentioned anything beyond that about our own struggle, uh, the Christian struggle. What are your thoughts on, as you know, as many of you know, and I've talked about it here before, that the Christians want to be armed, the Assyrians want to be armed to defend themselves, and this is a part of just war. And just war is eloquently explained in catechism and its doctrine mm. where it's rooted. What are your thoughts on uh, arming uh, the Assyrian Christians there? I think, I mean, one of the things when you, when you talk about this to Christians in America, you know, immediately many of them, not all of them, but many of them think, well, you know, as Christians, they shouldn't, you know, they're supposed to be persecuted and they, and they should turn the other cheek and we, you know, arming them. No, we just don't do that. But while there's, of course, truth to that and our faith is one of, of, of uh, loving neighbors, the idea of, of, of states and of, of armies protecting people is very much within the realm of, of orthodoxy, I think, of all denominations and sects. It's something that's historic, something that we support. Uh, the idea that uh, communities need to be protected from evil men is, is very much one that is uh, a good idea. So for us, in principle, uh, it's important to note that we think it is a Christian idea and that Christians should, to the extent they can, uh, protect themselves and governments should protect them. Uh, specifically with respect to the Assyrians, I think one of the problems uh, of Christians in the Middle East is that for, you know, what, 1,400 years they've been disempowered. Just because of who they are, they've been uh, really kept out of everything. They've been kept out of politics. They've been kept out of the military. And they've kind of retreated into their own little ghettos and just sort of following their priests and doing their own their own thing. And, and we've seen what has happened because of that. Now, as the region is in this transition, they have the ability 
to protect their communities, to actually stand up for themselves and, and, and help uh, each other and help other minorities, by the way, not just Christians, to really find a future. And to have a future like that, it's important that uh, they have the ability to protect themselves. And I think that, you know, to the extent the international community is interested in the idea of arming these various groups, which, which they are, I think it's, it's critically important that they, the, the Assyrians, the Christians, are not left out of the mix. They, they're no less qualified to be able to uh, fight than anyone else. And I think, uh, in fact, I think, uh, just because of who they are and the faith that they practice, the ideas that they hold, uh, in a lot of ways I trust them more than I trust uh, many of the other groups. So I think that our government uh, should not uh, forget about them. And thankfully, as you know, Juliana, there's been a recent uh, amendment to the National Defense Authorization Act, which, which makes explicit uh, provision and, and legal pathway for that to happen. So that's, that's also very encouraging as well. Rob, I'd like to say this. I'm a veteran, and I'm grateful that I, that I was a veteran. Um, John Paul tried to make it very, very clear that we, we are much better off trying to find a peaceful solution to our problems than violence, that bombs and bullets don't work. And, mm-hmm. and he said that really after 9-11. He says, didn't we learn anything in the last century? I much rather would prefer to have human beings. I still am a believer in human beings, men and women that are out there that can sit down at a table and and iron out resolutions to our disagreements without dropping bombs, without killing people. I absolutely believe it, and I believe that women are going to be the people who are going to wake up mankind to this belief and, and say, you're not going to kill our sons and daughters anymore. We want to sit down, we want to talk, and let's work this thing out. And that's what I believe. So I, I personally would like to see a peaceful way for the Jews and the Arabs and Assyrians and everybody involved in this matter. And, of course, the Assyrians are small in number, so they need a bigger brother and sister to help them to, to join forces and do it in a peaceful, peaceful manner. That's what I pray for. Mm. But, Tom, if I, yeah. Rob, if I may interject, it is in our catechism that... Uh, that Catholics talk about just war. For example, in Catechesis 2309, in, in paragraph 2309, it talks about um, why we have to defend ourselves oh, I when believe, we're violated. Uh, don't and get me wrong. I believe that we have to defend. I mean, I'm, I'm, I believe that for sure. I'm just saying a better way would be to do it peacefully. That's all I'm saying. But we're facing an enemy that does not I want agree. peace. No, I, I agree. I, I am absolutely a believer in defending oneself. I, don't get me wrong. I think, honestly, you know, it, the combination of the two is what, what actually shifts things. I think that, unfortunately, talking doesn't work without the threat of force. Not yes. always, but, but many times. Yes. And I think that, you know, threat, you know, using force without sort of a diplomatic solution goes nowhere also. So I think it's important that the two work in tandem. And I think that, you know, when you're dealing, I mean, here, here's where, where, where it falls apart, Tom, is you're dealing with, with the Islamic State. They have no interest in sitting down and talking to you. Yes. And in fact, they, they, they just curse your very existence and, and, and the God that you serve. And what do you do with that? How do you deal with someone like that? So I think, you know, once if you, you know, I hate to say it, but if you bomb them a little, they're much more likely to talk uh, just, just for their own sort of self-survival. So I'm very, I totally agree with you that, you know, just bombing stuff doesn't work. I think recent history has proven that. But it's important to, to kind of find the right recipe, the right combination 
that 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 is humanitarian but also uh, forceful enough that makes these people come to the table it's really one of the problems in 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 the, the big question in the Middle East is how do you deal with people who don't care about dying and want to kill you and they don't want to talk about it uh, Rob I think, I think the think answer that, I think Rob I think the answer is we need a dozen Clint Eastwoods <laughs> <laughs> That could be that could be a good start. Anyway, you guys, uh, I have to let you know that we have less than one minute left. Um, mm. Rob, I think our listeners would love to have you back on. You have a great presence about you, and I'm not saying that because I want to raise from you <laughs> as your employee, <laughs> but I truly mean that. Um, we'll have you back on Thank to you. discuss more in depth about uh, what you're doing in our activities on the hill. Thank you for joining us today, Rob. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Rob. Thank you both. God really. bless. Take care. God bless you. Our friends, thank you so much for spending this time, this hour with us. I'm the daughter of Nineveh, along with uh, my friend and my co-host, Tom O'Connor. Our number is 224-585-9734. You can also listen on WSFI radio program uh, website as well. Thank you so much and talk to you next month.